hiatus is officially over and it isn't a tuesday it's a late friday night this will probably be up early saturday morning so let me get you guys a little caught up on this situation there will be an episode of dcd dropping on this tuesday september 1st in which i talk about phineas and ferb and gravity falls but i also talk about what I've been doing with this hiatus. Basically, I've been recording some episodes and doing some scheduling and prep so that the work on this podcast isn't quite as grueling as I get into my school semester. So the September 1 episode is already scheduled to go. The September 8 episode is already scheduled to go. It's about 2005 DCOM. Now you see it. So you might ask, what is this bonus episode for? It's about the new Disney Plus movie, that came out this morning, Phineas and Ferb, Canis Against the Universe. Now, I said in what I guess was the last new episode I released about Upside Down Magic, that initial reactions would be sparse for me. And, well, I guess they aren't quite as sparse as I thought, because here's the second one. I went back and forth on whether or not to make a full episode about Candace Against the Universe, or to just talk about it a little bit in another episode whose main topic is something else. And this, like what I'm doing now, seemed like the right mix. First reason I didn't want to make a full episode all about Candace Against the Universe is because I've already got some other Phineas and Ferb content coming up soon. As I said, the episode coming out in a few days is about Phineas and Ferb. And at some point, relatively soon, I'm also going to do a Top 30 Phineas and Ferb Songs episode. So a third full episode about this show seems like overkill. Second reason, it isn't technically a Disney Channel original movie, and this is Disney Channel discourse, so I'm already kind of bending my own rules here a little bit. But I've decided not to punish myself. And besides, there was actually there was a picture a few days ago that came out of Phineas and Ferb co-creator Dan Povenmire with YouTuber Thomas Sanders, who has a small voice acting part in this movie, and on the script that they were holding in the picture, it said Phineas and Ferb decom. So all of a sudden there was this this minor brouhaha, mostly from just me, wondering, holy shit, is this decom? Does it does it count even though it isn't on Disney Channel? As it turns out, no. The original plan, like two two and a half ish years ago, was for this to be a decom, but then you know Disney Plus and plans change, but. They just didn't change the cover of the script. Anyway, let me tell you, I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning to watch this movie. Six or fucking clock. I haven't woken up that early in, like, I couldn't even tell you how long it's been. Honestly, I had this this sense of, of bubbly excitement and anticipation like you wouldn't believe. And I got myself some breakfast and set up my laptop and I hit play. And, man, what a morning. Like, like spoiler warning, if, if you haven't figured it out by now there are spoilers in basically all my episodes the the this movie runs an hour 25 so i finished it at like 7 40 after starting it at about 6 15 i had online class from 8 30 to 12 30 i napped from 1 30 to 5 30 a legendary nap then i watched the movie for the second time i'm not gonna do a normal you know deep dive i'm gonna keep this review more or less 
general. So, as the title suggests, Candace plays a very big role in this movie. And I guess when a movie is, is good, especially a movie where there's already been a premise established, like through a TV show, its effectiveness can always be broken down into its core balance. And that core balance is a balance between repetition and variation. Too much repetition and we get bored. Too much variation, we get confused, essentially. There's more to it than that, but but like that's the bare bones. The main piece of variation, to me, is where the seriousness lies. Compare this to Across the Second Dimension, which was the first Phineas and Ferb movie, which came out in 2011. A lot of the main dramatic conflict is about Phineas and Perry, and of course, Second Dimension Doofenshmirtz. Obviously, very high stakes for these characters, and a very explicit sense of drama, including a little too much angry Phineas, and that's where the variation came from the series to that movie. Now take Candace Against the Universe. For one, not a trace of angry Phineas. People have pointed out that that could lend to a lighter tone, but where the variation comes from is that Dan and Swampy understood that, yes, a large chunk of the audience for this show were adults, and like, say, teenagers, I, I don't know, 15, 14 and up, especially in comparison to other Disney Channel shows. The audience was like about 60% kids, which is a relatively small number. Now, it's however many years later, and even the youngest members of the original audience have reached their teenage years. Like, a, a kid who was born on the same day that the Phineas and Ferb pilot premiered is 13 years old now. That's two years younger than Candace's. That was perceived by the writers, and the main conflict was adjusted accordingly. Candace's teenage angst, Candace's internal struggle, her journey of self-discovery, her mental health. It's almost, it's almost like, man, that was, that was in front of us the whole time. How did we not notice this before? I also want to talk about Perry's role in this movie. As you know, basically, Phineas and Ferb and Isabella Baljeet Buford just so happened to team up with Doofenshmirtz by way of deflected portals in order to save Candace and Vanessa, who've been abducted by aliens. Meanwhile, Perry gets assigned to go along, but he can't reveal himself as an agent to Phineas and Ferb, and he can't be seen as their pet to Dr. Doofenshmirtz if he's also to be doing agent things. So what plays out is Perry saving everyone from uncharted asteroid belts, prison vans, and whatnot, saving the day multiple times. And it's all summarized nicely in the song Unsung Hero. My initial reaction to Perry's role in this movie was that, well, I I wished it was a little bit bigger in that, well, well, more interaction between, like, with the other characters somehow would have been nice. Second time through, though, changed my mind. This is the essential Perry story. Because, like, that's all he does, right? Save the day with no credit. That's manifested and personified in this movie start to end. We've also got a very healthy dose of Jeremy and Stacy in this movie. We find out Jeremy's a LARPer. You love to see it. I thought we would go the whole time without seeing Lawrence. We got a Lawrence cameo during the credits. I kind of hoped we would see Meep. Can't win them all, I guess. But, hmm, let's see. What do I want to point out next? The opening song, which I had already listened to, was so perfect. Then the clown juggling the kids, the title sequence, the planet 
turned into Candace's uvula, the slide across the Doofenshmirtz Evil Incorporated, slightly different animation on it, the arrangement on the jingle has changed, man, I, I, I think I got chills. Like, then the clown turns into Lit, Lint gets vacuum, vacuumed up, man, and while Lint is talking, Candace says, I'm begging you, just, just, it breaks your heart right away, like, yeah, you had the song, but that's how you get the audience on Candace's side. Then, the, of course, it's not fair, that outburst. Shit, like, I, I want to cry already. We're five minutes in. It's a masterful opening, first five minutes. A masterpiece already. I want to praise, as well, the incredible prominence of the chicken replacinator. Of all the old inators they could have brought back, they don't go for one of the more famous ones. They go for something handheld from the middle of season three, and they raise it up to an extreme level of importance. It becomes integral. In multiple instances in the movie, they get rid of that first monster, then they can't get back to Earth, and they switch the setting. Oh, just amazing. I, I like Just today, I've chuckled to myself like three times as I was just living, just thinking about the chicken replacinator. One of my other favorite gags was the ominous noise they all hear when they look at the building. Very clever. And a little Easter egg in Vanessa's quote-unquote social media post. Right as Phineas and everyone are running to get on the spaceship with Candace, says, still stuck here, hashtag building makes weird tone. Not sure, but I'd be willing to bet that this is evidence that Dan and Swampy have basically no understanding of what a hashtag is. But my number one favorite part of the movie is Warp 2. They move at twice the speed of light, and the fabric of their existence breaks down. They become pencil drawings. They become part of the storyboard. Then Dan and Swampy make a live cameo, pitching exactly what they're pitching and saying, you know, all that. Phineas and Ferb, you could count on that show for about one meta joke per episode by the end of the series. No no questions asked. This is the royal of them all. My mind was fully blown by this, this paradoxical mindfuckery. And we have the mug scene. Man, I don't I don't tear up at movies and shows very often. I, I kinda wish I did, but I don't. That scene has joined the final waddle scene in Gravity Falls as probably definitely the teariest I've been watching anything from Disney Channel. The it's the epitome moment between the siblings. That might have been it. The perfect validation for Candace's character. And she she runs on that strength to go full fucking blast mode. You get a shirt. You get a shirt. And it looks like Super Super Big Doctor is redeemed. And the final song is amazing. Kind of like a Don't Stop Me Now meets Summer Belongs to You sort of situation. That is a movie that I already cherish. It all fit. Everything so perfect. Like chef's kiss. And I also have to mention the Milo Murphy's Law references. When all the escape pods are being released and Candace is like, stop, stop, stop. And the machine is like playing chop, chop, chop by the Lumberjacks. Chop, 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 chop away at my heart. And a few smaller ones like the appearance of Trucker Ted and Recurring Raccoon. Watch Marlon Murphy's Law. Please watch Marlon Murphy's Law. I want a season three so badly. We, we got to raise those, those viewing numbers. The last thing for me to mention, I didn't talk about this in my upcoming episodes, which are already recorded. So this is another reason why I wanted to do a shorter episode here. A lot of it is 
because of the NBA players, but for one reason or another, after a police officer shot Jacob Blake seven times, momentum is picking up again in the fight for racial justice, especially in the face of police brutality. Take everything I say with the caveat that I'm white and not an expert, but one thing that I've gathered is that the responsibility to educate white people doesn't, and more specifically shouldn't, fall onto black people. I've made an effort to learn about injustice and the role that the police play in our society. The first thing I want to mention is the ridiculous, blatant fucking double standards at play all the fucking time. It's way too easy to go online or turn on the TV and see someone talking about how Jacob Blake or George Floyd had a criminal record or a knife in their car or 12-year-old Tamir Rice had a toy gun and therefore the police were within their rights to shoot them and more accurately try and in many cases succeed to kill them. Meanwhile, these same people claim that Kyle Rittenhouse is a troubled and misunderstood child who was bullied and then Fox-ass news explicitly praises him for maintaining law and order. That's everyone's favorite buzzword now, isn't it? Law and order. Yeah, shooting someone and killing them. Sounds very lawful and orderly to me, but smash a window and all of a sudden you're a thug. Yeah, and... And, and some people are still trying to say racism doesn't exist. Come the fuck on. It takes the critical thing skills of a first grader to get a basic sense of the problem. What many well-meaning people don't seem to agree on is the solution. Defund the police, that's the hashtag you're probably seeing a lot of these days. I'm always open to new information, but at the moment, my analysis of the situation is that abolishment is the only way to actually put an end to police brutality. You stop funding the police department, what happens? They lose equipment. They fire some cops. They're a little less menacing, but their intentions are exactly the same. Or what else? Do you want cops to receive better training? Couldn't hurt. But if someone has to be trained not to kill black people at the first chance they get, I don't want them holding a gun. Reform the police? Sure, but I mean, you would have to reform them to the point that they're basically unrecognizable. So you might as well abolish them. A lot of people have an instant knee-jerk reaction to this, and I understand. It's very hard to shake the notion that many of us have that police are here to protect us. Who's going to make sure no one is speeding on the road? Who do I call if someone breaks into my house? Or if I get sexually assaulted? Well, I have some news for you. Cops don't patrol the road to keep you safe. They patrol the road to write up tickets and get more funding. Another piece of news for you. Ever heard of Breonna Taylor? I'm sure you have. Who was she supposed to call when people broke into her house? The cops? They were already there. I hope you're starting to get the idea. It would be nice to have a road safety association to make sure no one is driving recklessly. It would be nice to have a violence de-escalation association. It would be nice to have a trustworthy sexual assault hotline. The cops have way too much power, way too much power, and they need to be abolished. I guess kind of to come full circle, one of the very few low points of this film was the brief inclusion of the American flag during the final song. Didn't need that at all. Not quite sure how to close this one out, other than uh, thank you for listening to Disney Channel Discourse. Regular Tuesday schedule starts back up again on September 1st. DM me on Instagram at Disney Channel Discourse if you're interested in being a guest on the show. And educate yourselves and practice critical thinking.